Welcome to Splainin', a podcast where two guys explain things to each other. That they should know. But don't. No, I'm Jeff Sims. And I'm Evan Smith. Welcome, Evan. <laughs> to episode three, season two, episode three. I was saying this to you uh, the other day. Yeah. We've got to do the precursor now. You can't just say episode three, can you? No, you can't. It's unfortunate but fortunate at the same time. I like having seasons. Don't yep. get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but... I, I do find it a little bit annoying that I can't just like, all right, episode three. No. Because there's already an episode three. Well, for anyone who is joining us for the first time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where have you been? There is a full other season. We are not actually on episode three. Although the quality of the content may suggest we're still only on episode three. There's improvement. I'm not going to lie. Mm. Sometimes I get a little bit nervous when I think of the people who start listening. I'm like, should I go back and listen to the first few? Like, are they good? Yeah. Yeah. They like, are like no, no, no. I, oh. I, I have the same thing of like, oh. if someone says, oh, man, I'm going to listen. Which episode should I start? I'm like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> now I go, it's the same like Star Wars dilemma. It's like, do I start them on the Phantom Menace, which is a dud, right. but chronologically makes the most sense of following the, the saga? Right. Or do you start them off with a banger and then be like, if you catch it, then you can go back and forgive the... I think maybe that. I think so too. Maybe for Splane and not sure how it works with Star Wars. Yeah, but see, yeah, I mean, I remember having so many conversations about the pilot. I mean, like, the pilot has to be good. Yeah. Because it has to be like our representation of like, this is the podcast we're putting yep. out. Yep. If somebody listens and doesn't like it, see you later. They're not going to yep. listen anymore. Uh, exactly. So it must be decent. Like, we did fine tooth comb it and people are still around. Yeah. So, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think, think so as well. So do I. Um, it's, this has actually been, other than the couple of breaks that we've had, like we had a break over uh, the holidays. Yes. There was a moment when Oliver was born. We recorded like three episodes in one we week. We had no break, though, technically. No, no, no. In terms of episode, but like yeah. in terms of like break for yes. recording. Those yeah. are the only two major breaks. Otherwise, we're every week. But this has been the longest stretch because we recorded... What was the longest stretch? This this. Oh, because we recorded Sunday, and then we did Wednesday, so it's yeah. been like 10 days. Yeah, yeah which doesn't... You know, at a glance, it doesn't seem no, long, see, but it, it feels, feels... Like, I was pumped to record tonight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah everybody was. Um, as well, Tiffany mentioned that on Apple Podcasts, she's like, I don't know if you should maybe, like, change the titles of your episodes, like, like the way that you format them, rather than just saying the number, yeah. and then a dash, and then the title. Sure. She's like, because if you... Unless you go into see all episodes, you don't see season. Yeah. Which is kind of annoying, but I think that's Apple's fault. Like, I don't think we can compensate for that. To have, like, S2E2 seems just too It seems much. redundant. Yeah. Yeah. But it is mm -hmm. what they do when you're just... If you go into Recently Played or, like, Next Up or whatever, yeah, 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 it yeah. doesn't show you season. But that's the same as, like, famous podcasts with celebrities on them. It's, it's the same so thing. So, like, yeah. I'm not going to solve this. We can't no. solve all the problems. Yeah, no, we can't solve all of Earth's problems. No. But we're working on them. And I don't think we should solve that one. I like the way it is. Yeah. So, so Jeff, cheers to cheers you. Cheers to season two, episode three. Yep. And the strange arrangements of the numbers and the seasons. And you know what? If you're too dumb to figure it out, then... That's my sucks. wife you're talking about. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, she gets Gotta it go. Um, okay, I have a few things. Mm. The first, go Barney on. the Dinosaur. Sorry? Barney the Dinosaur. If From you recall, imagination. yeah, last week you referenced them, and I said something about maybe sexual allegations or something. Like, yes, I remember, yes, like, there was yes. a thing. Oh, no. So I looked it up. No. There aren't sexual allegations. Oh, thank just God. to clarify. Good. Sexuality is involved, or not sexuality, sex. There were rumors for a while that he was a drug trafficker, but on Snopes' website, they have proven false. It doesn't happen. Are we talking about the actor who played Barney? Correct. 
or Barney Not the Barney Dinosaur. Himself. <laughs> However, and I think this may be where my brain went. Mm-hmm. The guy, because I think I just saw an article like years ago. Sure. The guy who played Barney, like the original Barney guy for years, yeah. is now a tantric sex guru. Uh, a full session with tantra massage specialist and spiritual healer David Joyner uh, lasts. Joyner. Joyner. Don't even know her. Lasts right three to me. four hours and costs three hundred and fifty dollars. For that price, female clients, the only kind that he accepts, can expect to receive a ritual bath, <laughs> chakra balancing. You were excited about that, were you? Yeah. Chakra balancing and a massage. Uh. It's really sleazy, and it, it got a little bit more dirty than that. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to. No, I don't want to. But all apparently consensual, consensual, also Cons- consensual, also consensual, and yeah. paid for and whatever. But that's what that's what I was thinking. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, because there's also like you know the classic like there are sexual jokes hidden within Disney movies. Yes, we talked about this before. Yes, there's also some like implied things in Barney as well, like the kid who's brushing his teeth. Do you see that one? No. When I'm brushing my teeth at night, just to get rid of all the plaque. And when I'm brushing my teeth, it's so much fun. I never let the water run. No? So I'm going to do it for you now, but I'm going to tell everybody else who cannot watch me right now to just go to YouTube and type in Barney when I'm brushing my teeth. You okay. ready? I'm ready. Five, six, seven. When I'm brushing my teeth uh, at night, uh, 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 uh. as I get rid of all the plaque. But it's my a teeth, kid, it's so though. Much fun. I never let the water run. That's the action? Oh, I, yeah. They're not physically like using brushing your teeth. No. Oh. And it's it's... Like, anybody who is watching, just be like, close your fist. Right. And don't be so aggressive. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the, <laughs> the director needed to step in and just give a little bit of just direction. Just a little bit of direction. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, they all either were asleep or laughing. Yeah, maybe they just let the kid free wheel. And he's just like, this is what I do. I'm, yeah, these are my, this, I'm an actor. Yeah. And these are my choices. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And they were like, sure. Go ahead, John. <laughs> No, we're talking mid '90s. So, like, we're talking. Go ahead, Sebastian. Go ahead, Ace. <laughs> Stefan. <laughs> I was Stefan. I was almost named Stefan. My mom wanted to call me Stefan. I was like, Mom, if you did, I think I would have like. I don't think you would have had any friends. I would have left. Um, also, <laughs> the month of August. The Romans later renamed months after Julius Caesar and Augustus. So oh yes, we talked it about it. Was this. named. They did have months mm-hmm. before they renamed it after Emperor Augustus. Sure. Um, Originally, uh, July was called Quintilis, Mm. and then they renamed it Ilius after Julius Caesar, um, which translates in English to July. Um, Oh. And then Sextilis was August. And then Sextilist? Yep. And then they renamed it to Augustus, or August for us, um, in 8 BC. Okay. So that they did have names before. Little things we learn. Yep. Yep. And lastly, ooh, and this is the one I've been dying to talk to you about. But you haven't. This is like, I can't sleep well these days. I mean, like, I'll ever sleep in a little bit better, but I find it hard to get to sleep, as I was telling you earlier today. Yes. Um, so is that why you planted the seed when we were walking today? Maybe. Maybe. But when I lie awake in bed, I think my brain is just going. So when Hagrid shows up <laughs> <laughs> at the shack, <laughs> you said... For all everyone knows, this is a direct quote. I took it from the episode. Good. For all everyone knows, a huge giant broke the door down and is trying to kill them. The Dursleys. That's that's a fair assumption, I right. think. Yeah. But no. Oh, the first... Sorry about that. Well, but not even that. I don't think because 
the Dursleys know why they're running. Harry doesn't know, but the Dursleys know. So they know, chances are, if someone breaks down the door, it's someone trying to get to Harry, who's a wizard, not to kill them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So once Hagrid shows up, I think the Dursleys know why Hagrid is there. And but then, that, why, there them. then why come down with a shotgun? Just in case? Yeah, and they're just like, they're scared of wizards because, because they're, like, they're like racist towards wizards. Yeah. Yeah, but like... Do they think that a shotgun would protect them from a wizard? Yeah, I think they do because they're an idiot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I still think like, you know I, mean? like I appreciate what you're trying to do because like, like, they're, they're, they're out on a boat in the middle of an island. Yeah. They're basically in like you know, um, Fogo. Fogo. <laughs> at staying at the expense of Ian. Yeah. Somebody breaks down the door and they're like, "I paid good money for this room." <laughs> and anyway, but they know like they know who's coming after them. I can I I you you're you're making a good point. Thank you. But I still will disagree. I okay, still well. think there's a suspension of disbelief of like, mm. I'm not sure. You know what I mean? Like, make a bigger meal out of it. Like, you know, the chaos in the living room when like all the Harry, letters like are Harry coming. should make a bigger meal out of it. I think all of them. Some like the Dursleys do in a way. Yeah, like, they do a little like bit. Dudley's scared. Dudley is scared. And they other bias comes down with the shotgun. So like, yeah. they weren't like just like, oh, how's it going? But I mean, like, they're all stationary. But I think that's part of direction. Like, don't move too much. In the movie. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, like, when, like, I want the pandemonium of the scene, like, almost immediately before. When all the letters are coming down the fireplace and everyone's, like, going ape shit and everyone's jumping for these letters. But I don't think that happens in real life. If someone broke down your door, I oh. don't think you would start running around. No, you would go after them. There's no standing around and having conversation. There's no, like. I wouldn't go after them. If someone broke down my door, I wouldn't start running at them. I almost either that or like, well, you'd have your shotgun. But like, if someone started walking, yeah, if I had a shotgun, you, you would. I'm standing still. You're I'm not moving. Them. No, but you're gonna shoot them. Yeah, yeah. Or like, it, like he does say, "Get out of my house." He's like, "Drop Jersey." I guess he's just in such shock of this giant, and he bends the barrel. Yeah, I, I think guess shock there's that is shock definitely is there. involved. But like, wouldn't the boys be crying? And, like, when Hagrid walks over to Dudley and say, well, Harry, you're a little bit fatter than I expected, like, wouldn't the mother and the father just, it, so protective, be like, get away from our son? Like, there's... <laughs> I mean, yes, in that context, sure. Yeah. Like, there would be more conversation happening, I think. Not even just more conversation. I just feel like that's, we're also, you know, kicking a dead dog, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but... It's one, one way of saying one it. One way of saying yeah. it, yes, one of many. Um, but the... That scene in particular is very insignificant, so they have to blow by it. Yeah. The same they they got to get to Hogwarts. They have to move on. Yeah. There's so much expose that has to happen. <laughs> <laughs> there sure. is. They have to go from this you kid. Do, do you mean expose, though? When what, you say uh, what that? other word would I Exposition. mean? Exposition. Which the shorter version is expose. I don't think it is. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Anyway. Anyways. I, I applaud... But I still, I still don't buy. Well, I'll just keep trying, and I hope you do. Great. Also, I'll, I will remake the movie in twenty years and be like, "Now do you see?" It's just a forty-five minute scene of Hagrid <laughs> breaking in, but everyone remains calm. <laughs> they have a really rational conversation. <laughs> fun fact, not really fun, but oh. fact. Um, when my great grandmother was living in North Sydney, and this is right, like when this happened, she ended up moving home. A man broke into her house. Wolf. She came down over the steps, and there was just a man, like, standing in the doorway. Or not in the doorway, but, like, inside of her house. And she's, like, I don't know, at the time, probably 80, living, oh living alone. She lived till she was 93. Um, and she's, like, 
uh, you know, please don't hurt me, basically. And she's, he's like, I don't want to hurt you. I just need um, some money. And she's like, I, this is what I got in the house. You can take that. And he took it and left. And after that, she was like, I'm not going to stay here anymore. No. And then she moved in with my grandmother. But um, <sighs> point being, like, both parties were calm. And you're allowed to be calm. But, like, not once did they say, don't hurt me, don't hurt my child. True. And not once did Hagrid, although Hagrid did say, sorry about that. Like, yeah, which I mean, is, and then he picked up the door and Hagrid's put it back. aura is very, like, orange. He's like, he's very warm, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they just picked up on, I think the Dursleys could pick up on the aura. They're like dogs. Like, they can sense a person's demeanor. Yeah. yeah. Also, Hagrid is a dog, so that helped. Sure. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, right, that's enough about that. I think we can move on. <laughs> I this, really thought you were going to be like, yeah, man, great. And then we can just move on. But now I feel like she's gone to the really same road Do you really think again. I was going to let that go so easily? No, probably not. No, probably not. Um, but today is actually a very important day. Yes, today being Wednesday. We're recording on Wednesday. It is Inauguration Day. It is the Inauguration Day. It's just so good. I haven't watched Arbiden. the speech yet. I, you sent me a Snapchat of it, but I, oh, I yeah. haven't watched it yet. I didn't have a chance. Um, it's exactly it's exactly what you would think, um, and what most presidents' inauguration inauguration speech would be. Yeah, if you're not Trump, true. He was the first president since Andrew Jackson 150 years ago to not be at the White House to like see them in. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Nope. No, Vice President um, Pence was there. Yes, I saw. And passive aggressive was he? Did passive he have to speak? aggressive Pence. He had to speak. No, he oh. just sat there with his arms crossed. Uh, he was very passive-aggressive Pence. Right. Yeah. Um, but his speech was lovely. It was 20 minutes long. It was pretty It's long. meant to be long, I think, isn't it not? Uh, some presidents are shorter. Some okay. are longer. Um, some are wider. Some are thinner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was lovely. It's, it's exactly what we all expected. Yeah. But one thing I will say that I was happy about is that he did acknowledge, like, instead of being like, we are going to sweep away white supremacy, we are going to right. crash. Like, instead of being everything that he was kind of striving for, he said, no, I'm going to be a president for all Americans. Let's unite the country. Yeah. Yeah. So he was kind of like, I don't want to be just like left and liberal and everything yeah. like that he's like no i am still your president yeah i know you do not support me i know you do not like me you do not want me to be here mm-hmm. but i will still represent you to the best of my ability and yeah. i will be there to help you yeah i'm like that's nice i like that yeah yeah it was a- as a president should be like yes you are technically partisan and that you're a democrat yes but uh or bipartisan or whatever bipartisan yeah um but at the same time it's like you're the president of the people of that's the country it. and yeah. You have to be president for every person in this country. Yeah, and it was very, it was very nice. It was very um, refreshing. Whole, yeah, and wholesome. And wholesome, it was. And then you swiftly went over and saw Bill Gates fall asleep. <laughs> Not Bill Gates. No, Bill <laughs> Clinton. Bill Clinton. Bill Gates. Hey, Bill Gates is probably asleep too. Who's getting who? In his in his bed of money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bill Clinton, full on asleep, mid speech. Yeah. It was great. Was Hillary there? Hillary was there. Yeah. Alert. Alert. And rotted. Oh, you know. <laughs> sin. Yeah. Uh, I should have left him after Monica. <laughs> yeah. That's all she was thinking. Can't even stay awake. Can't even stay awake. a presidential inauguration. <laughs> Between him and Biden, I don't know who was missing their afternoon nap more. Um, yeah. Like, in the company, like, I guess those people like that are just so used to being in company of, like, you know, the president or the whatever. No, I, I think it's still, no matter how much you're used to it. Yeah. 
that is still have there still has to be an exciting moment. Yeah, that, you have to be awake. You have you to gotta, be awake. You got to show up and be awake. That's what I'm saying. Um, I, I think he's just <laughs> very old. I was listening to um, Desert Island Discs today, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Yeah, where they interview um, like a different celebrity or whatever, composers and authors and actors and whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so I was listening to the episode with Kelsey Grammer, which I think I've listened to before, but I couldn't remember. Anyway, it's great. Yep. And um, he. One of his first track that he says he wants to listen to is "Fly Me to the Moon" Frank Sinatra. Sure. And uh, afterwards, the interview was like, "So you like sort of rubbed elbows with Frank Sinatra? Like you you sort of knew Frank Sinatra?" And he's like, "Well, I met him once. He's like, I was invited to his. He has a golf. He had a golf tournament every year. Frank did. Frank had a golf tournament. Of course yeah. he did. So like, I was invited to his golf golf tournament. Like I was just on the list somehow. And like once you're on the list, you're on the list. Sure. And I, was, I was invited to his 75th birthday. So like, at his golf tournament, um, he's like the only words Frank and I ever spoke together. He's like he." was just walking by and I was like playing or whatever and uh, he just sort of like threw his cigarette just looked over and went you're doing good kid and Kelsey Graham was like it's one of the highlights of my life yeah Frank Sinatra looked at me and went you're doing good kid that's all you need <laughs> so oh my god that is all you need <laughs> that's so good can yeah. you imagine you're doing good kid Ah, oh, that's what I need. It's everything. You know what? I just need someone to say that to me. <laughs> that Not mean? even Frank Sinatra. <laughs> just I, dead. Yeah. Uh, like it could just be a homeless person smoking a cigarette. Just look at me and just go. <laughs> You're doing good, kid. I mean, I wish the guy who took my twenty bucks said that to me. Yes. Remember that? Ugh. He said nothing. He said nothing other than sucker. Um, but uh, going back to the inauguration. Yes. And his speech and everything, like I said, it was very refreshing. Um, he did actually uh, quote somebody. He quoted Abraham Lincoln. Did he? In his speech, which is very what fitting. What are the odds? What are the odds? Because it's very fitting because the tone and, I guess, the atmosphere that is in America right now, yep. there's this huge divide between left and right, north and southern, all that kind of stuff. It yep. kind of echoes what was happening in the mid-1800s. Which would have been the Civil War? Their Civil War, exactly. Which is exactly when Abraham Lincoln was uh, in his prime of presidency. Right. Right? Uh, And so his speeches and what he represented is exactly kind of the same mirror as uh, President Biden. Cool. Which is interesting because today's topic is Abraham Lincoln. Question for you. Yes. Have you seen the movie The Patriot? I have not. Oh, it's Mel Gibson. Uh, And I think it's during the Civil War. That's the passion. (laughs) Um, and the villain in it is um, the actor who plays um, uh, Lucy's Malfoy whose name I can't remember yeah 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 okay and he is he's more evil than Lucy's Malfoy like it's brutal yeah Um, anyway it's a great movie and I think it's the Civil War that's what I was going to ask I'm pretty sure that movie is the Civil War sure yeah I'm not sure anyway go on we can look also in the interest of not opening up a can of worms but opening up a can of worms Lucius Malfoy, would you really constitute him as evil? Mm, no, you know what? In the end, you end up having a lot of sympathy for him. You do. But like... Like, he's definitely not a good person, but I wouldn't constitute him as evil. Like, I don't think someone who... I can... mean, he tried to kill a child. Yes, but I don't think someone who... Although... He tried to kill a child. Let's just... I mean, period. Yeah, it's pretty evil, eh? Yeah, it's real bad. But like... Could you be evil and still have love in your heart? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Well, that's another day. Yep. We're gonna... <laughs> we'll explain that next week. <laughs> Can you love and be evil? Find out next episode. Well, I think most of the time, like with like, you know, Disney villains and stuff, 
Well, we, those are one-dimensional well, villains. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no one knows just, that. We cut that no, half an hour say, conversation from another was, episode. There was one episode where we um, became a little inebriated, and we said, let's just go off the flop, and we did. And we had a full, I say it was about a half an hour conversation, 35 At minutes. At least. Of just talking about villains, because I love villains. Yeah. And mostly Disney. No. It wasn't? No, it I wasn't. Must, we talked. Well, no, sorry. We did talk about Disney villains, but not that they are my favorite. No, yeah, yeah. And different styles and choices in villains yes. and stuff like that. But typically, I think they are led to the evil by something, usually, like in, in many cases. Yeah. So, like, there was capacity to love at one point. Mm-hmm. And I think that's still there, maybe, but, like, you know, they don't get a chance because they usually get killed by the hero. It's a classic, uh, the path to hell is paved with good intentions sure that was very hard to get out just then. wasn't it yeah i had to work for that yeah uh back to abraham lincoln go on <laughs> um speaking of good intentions speaking of good intentions but still going to hell so yeah, abraham I, lincoln so i don't know here's what i wanted to know about this yes this is like class explaining i asked you to do this yes correct so i know he has something to do with slaves like he helped free slaves or something like, okay i think sure um and like, and, and he's always regarded as like potentially the best president ever. Yeah, and that's really all I, I know. He was assassinated by Wilkes, John Wilkes Booth. Yeah, uh, and that's sort of all I know. I just know he's like regarded as like Abraham Lincoln. He's like, yeah, there were forty. Biden is the forty sixth president. Forty sixth. So correct. I bet I know like nine of them. Do you know what I mean? Well, Ooh. probably more than that. But like, I bet there are twenty that I'm just like, okay, sure, he was president. Great. Yeah. Don't know what he did, but like no. Abe Lincoln is always coming up. Yeah. Why? Well, that was it. That's exactly. And do you know what's really funny that you say that? Is that as egotistical as Donald Trump was, yep. um, he still noted Abraham Lincoln as one of the greatest presidents. Mm. Which is like, even still to say that. Yeah. It, it's still, the sentence was very weird. He was like, I've done more for the black community than any other president other than Abraham Lincoln. But <laughs> like, <laughs> but still, like, normal Trump wouldn't give credit to anybody. No, like, you know, the first black president who probably, you know, did a lot for them. I, did a lot I would for think. them. One would, one would imagine. Yeah. Um, and also Clinton. So, and I quote, With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace amongst ourselves and with all nations. So that was almost verbatim what Joe Biden said today. Oh, really? But that was the ending of Abraham Lincoln's second inauguration speech. Hmm. He said this on March 4th, 1865, 36 days before the end of the Civil War Uh. and 41 days before his unfortunate assassination. He died five days into his second second term? Nope. He died 41 days into his second term, five days after the end of the Civil War. Oh, oh, oh thank you. Yeah. Um, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Franklin D. Roosevelt are all named as some of the greatest United States presidents of all time, mm-hmm. like you mentioned. Uh, so what is it that makes Abraham Lincoln one of the greats? Yeah. Why does he have his own memorial? The Lincoln Memorial oh, in yeah. Washington, D.C.? Um, it's like a big statue of him sitting in the chair, right? He's just sitting in the chair. Yeah, uh, it's similar to Zeus from. Uh, it's exactly like Zeus. Yeah, yeah. Why can't I think Hercules? Yeah, in the Disney movie Hercules. Uh, and also, why is his face carved in rock? 
next to uh, Theodore Roosevelt, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington. He is considered one of the greats. Oh, yeah. He's so he's Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Right. Yeah. So why? Let's dive in. Hmm. So Abraham Lincoln was born in Sinking Springs Farm near Hodgdenville, Kentucky. So that's what was it called? Hodgkinville. Hodgkin. Hodgkinville. Okay. H O D G E N. Hodgkin. Yep. Hodgkinville, uh, Kentucky, on February the 12th, 1809. Uh, he was born to Thomas and Nancy Hanks Lincoln. His birthplace is believed to have been a 16 by 18 foot log cabin in the middle of the woods. Of course it was. Mm-hmm. Lincoln had a sister, Sarah, who was two years older, uh, and a younger brother, Thomas, who unfortunately died in infancy. Oh. When Abraham was two, the family moved to nearby Knob Creek Farm. Uh, five years after that, the family moved again to the wilderness on Little Pigeon Creek in Indiana. These are all really weird names of places, but I swear they existed. This is... Hang on. Let me just think timeline. Is it... All, has it... Okay. Hang on. Don't hurt yourself. It's the United States now. Let me, 17. Right. Seven, right. Seven, so we're like 100 years later. 1776. So we're like 40 years. What years are right now? 1809 is when he oh, was born. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> On October 5th, 1818, his mother died, uh-huh. reportedly of milk sickness caused by drinking milk from cows that have eaten a poisonous blossoming plant called snake root. You shut up. Can you imagine? Just like she was healthy one day and then she died the next day. Milk and cookies. Done. And his brother died from infancy. Yep. That is a difficult family life. Yep. Well, it's also the 1800s. Well, yeah. So like... Sure. You know. Yeah. Not to not to like be little. Like everybody's his mother didn't family. die from drinking bad cow's milk. I'm sure it was more common than you think, though. Than it is now. Yes. Yeah. But anyways, Thomas Lincoln, his father, remarried a year later to Sarah Bush Johnston, a woman of Elizabethtown, uh, whom he had known for many years. She had three children by a previous marriage: Elizabeth, Matilda, and John. Matilda. Matilda. Although Abraham and his father were never close. Sarah and nine-year-old Abraham found, uh, sorry, formed a loving relationship and continued this relationship throughout their lives. Is Sarah the stepmother? Uh, Sarah is a stepsister. Okay. Yeah. Um, she encouraged him in his attempts to educate himself, uh, which he, uh, sorry. No, I apologize. Sarah was the was the stepmother. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, after I said it was the stepsister, I was like, that's not right. That's uh, not right, right? That's not right, right? She encouraged him in, in his attempts to educate himself, which he did by borrowing and studying books. Um, with an interesting relationship that he had with his father, he resented his father's laziness and lack of thirst for knowledge. Although his father didn't teach him how to be studious, he learned it from knowing that he did not want to be like his father. His father was like a lumberjack or something. I, maybe. Like, a, like more of a tradesman, didn't care about academics. And also, I think he was like lazy too, so he, he saw in his father everything he didn't want to be. Also, let's not coin him as lazy. One of his children died as an infant, and his wife died from drinking about cow's milk. He was depressed. Let's just say it. Okay. You know? I'm sure I, he was. <clears throat> probably. Imagine going through that. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait for this next paragraph. So after after the death of his mother, Lincoln struggled severely with depression, or what they called back then as his melancholy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Several accounts state that after his initial inauguration, he did not even seem happy or victorious or pleased that he had even won. How old was he now? 
Well, in his inauguration. Yeah. In like his 40s and 50s. Okay. Yeah. Um, the next day after the inauguration, the lieutenant governor of Illinois, William J. Bross, walked the floor. He saw Lincoln sitting alone at the end of the hall, his head bowed, his gangly arms bent at the elbows. That's important to note. Okay. His hands pressed to his face. As Bross approached, Lincoln noticed him and said, I'm not very well. Oh. He often wept in public and recited maudlin poetry. He told Joe... As the president? Uh, just in life. No, no, but like, was this while he was president? This is his, his life, so yeah. from beginning to end. Uh, he told jokes and stories at odd times. He stated he needed the laughs for his survival. As a young man, he talked more than once of suicide, and as he grew older, he said he saw the world as a hard, grim, and full of misery, made that way by fate and the forces of God. Yikes. One state legislator uh, claimed Lincoln told him he wouldn't carry a pocket knife for fear he'd use it to harm himself. Yikes, Abe. His law partner, William Hurden, said his melancholy dripped from him as he walked. <gasps> Everyone was so poetic back in the 1800s. Well, like, honestly. Just like a random lawyer was like, and as he walked, the melancholy was dripping upon the sidewalk. Yeah. It's like, they were all Charles Dickens back then. Honestly. Um, So he was sad. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, I don't note this, but um, I'll say it anyways. Um, In one of the documentaries I watched, he used to take this pill, and it was called Blue Something. Mm. Uh, And a lot of people had it for melancholy back then. Um, But it had all these organic, like, root of this and blank of that. But it also had mercury. And if you were taking the pill three times a day, like it was instructed, you were having 9,000 times the um, safe amount. And so there was times in his early political career, he would like have these crazy mood swings, but like lash out. Right. And like not think rationally. And he was like, these pills are doing this to me. And it was. A lot of people would die. Mercury poisoning. Mercury poisoning. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So he took them for like 10 years straight, three, three times a day to try to combat his melancholy. Isn't that crazy? It's very crazy. In 1830, when Abraham was 21, the family moved to Illinois. He performed odd jobs, and he was a partner in a convenience store and a barkeep. Mm -hmm. His partner eventually drank away his share and many of their shared profits, and then fled and led all the responsibility to Lincoln. Mm. Lincoln, unlike many in debt at the time, would spend many years paying off the last of the store's creditors, an obligation he referred to as the national debt. Uh, his good deeds and honest, uh, and his honesty, sorry, sparked some of his current nicknames. Honest Abe. Uh, good ol' Abe. Yeah. <laughs> they wrote songs about him. Named those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was elected captain of a militia uh, during the 1832 Black Hawk War. Elected a captain of a militia. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, he saw no combat. Uh, but he did meet the man who would change his life in many ways, John Todd Stewart. Okay, John Todd. John Todd. So Stewart and Lincoln both ran for the Illinois General Assembly that year. Okay. Stewart won. Lincoln did not. Two years later, however, both men won the election. The more experienced Stewart, known as Jerry Sly. No. Yeah. Jerry Sly. Jerry Sly. You're doing good, kid. <laughs> Jerry Sly and Honest Abe. Yeah. Good pair. Good pair. Bone cop, bad cop. 
for his skills at management and intrigue, showed Lincoln the ropes and loaned him law books that okay. he might study to become an attorney. Right. Lincoln, studying and learning the material on his own, received a license to practice law in 1836. So, like, no colleges. Just, like, read all of these books and become a lawyer. Why not? Because you have the knowledge now. Just don't drink the milk. Uh, <laughs> he would go on to... Est- That's not funny. <laughs> no, it was. Okay, good. Uh, he would go on to establish a respectable record as an attorney and was often hired by the Illinois Central Railroad. Oh. Yeah. But they were obviously like doing something wrong, <laughs> were they? Uh, but Abe... We we're going little, off the tracks he- again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Thank you. We need another lawyer again. Get yeah. honest, Abe. Bye. Honest, Abe. Yeah. The judge will know he's doing good because he's honest. See? Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get Jerry Sly. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Lincoln won re-election to the General Assembly in 1836, 38, and 40. Mm-hmm. Among his accomplishments was a major role in the upcoming production of Annie. <laughs> no, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, was a major role in getting the state capital moved to Springfield, which is somehow less exciting. He did not actively seek the post is again. Springfield like where The Simpsons is? Uh, there are many Springfield in the U.S., and that's the joke. Okay. Is that Springfield in The Simpsons. Could be anywhere. It could be any they of the... They never designate what state it is. No. I understand. Uh, he won popular vote in 1854. However, he resigned so that he would be eligible for election to the U.S. Senate. Okay. 1846. He was elected to the House of Representatives, where he gave the infamous spot speech about the war that had begun with Mexico. Uh, he demanded President James K. Polk, who no one knows because he's no. not important. Yep. Polk who? To reveal the exact... Polk him. Don't even know him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he demanded President Polk to reveal the exact spot on which American blood had been shed. Which started the war, and whether that spot, war with Mexico, Mexico, okay. yep, and whether or not that spot was actually on American or Mexican soil, he's pretty well just contesting the war and being an arse. Right during his time in the Illinois legislature, he met Mary Todd, the sister of a wife to one of Lincoln's co-workers. After Do we spending, know somebody named Todd that we just heard about, yeah, Sweeney. No, 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 no. There was somebody else who you've mentioned who's who's had a name Todd, didn't they? No, I'm sorry, buddy. Okay, go on. Maybe. Then we just do, met. Do, do control F. <laughs> Search Todd in your document. <laughs> I thought you said Todd. Anyway. No. Um, so they were together for about a year and then they departed. Okay. For no reason. Um, and then eventually a friend was like, hey, you guys got to get back together. Right. And they got back together. Oh. <laughs> I trust you, man. Yeah. I don't, I don't like her very much, but if you say so. But if you say <laughs> so. He's like, <laughs> you're doing good, kid. Go marry Mary. Right away, Todd. <laughs> I got it. This. So they get married November 4th, 1890. Attend the words of my friend Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I can't He says, Mary, Mary, even though she's odd. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, they I get mean, married. It's, it's mediocre. Who's getting new? But go on. I'll listen. For the six viewers. Hey. <laughs> Abraham and Mary Lincoln would produce four children. Go on, then. Robert Todd. Mm-hmm. Edward, William, and Thomas, named for are named after Lincoln's father, who had died two years earlier. Why is Robert the only one with two names? Uh, I, I, I <laughs> like Robert Todd. Like clearly, Todd is his middle name, but then you stop giving me middle names. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, <laughs> Maybe it's Robert Hyphen Todd, like Robert Todd. 
Sure. Listen, it was the 1850s. Yeah, great. Okay? Go on, then. Anyways, Edward died in 1850. Who, son? Yeah. My God, that's rotten luck. William died in 62. Thomas died in 71. Only Robert Todd lived to adulthood. The last of his descendants. Because he was the one with the second name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The last of his descendants would die in 1985, ending the Abraham Lincoln family line altogether. (gasps) All four children. I thought about this yesterday. I don't know why. But I was thinking, like, there's a really, like, a, a quote that I just always find, like, amazing and also, like, spine chilling. Sure. And it's like, um, it's something to do with, like, there's nothing worse than a parent watching a, their child. Yes, uh, yes, uh, yes, You know yes, what I mean? Yes. Like, a, ch- a parent uh, being alive while their child is not. Yes. Because that's not the succession of life. I understand what you're trying to say. Um, and that happened to him four times. Ugh. Go on. Okay. Um, yeah, so, not great. No. Um, but, although he has seen much tragedy... Just one second. Yeah, okay. Although he's seen such tragedy, it was a fairly normal life, right? One filled with tragedy and death, obviously, but also had many accomplishments, Mm -hmm. okay? It seems that he would have had a prolific life Mm -hmm. filled with success and admiration, uh, but nothing worthy of worldwide recognition. Do you know what I mean? He was a standard politician. He was a successful lawyer. So he was in the House of Representatives, which is like a congressman. Yeah, so, yeah. like, there are many Congress people. Yeah, we won't who, remember you for decades. You do not get a Zeus plaque. You do not. No. Not plaque. Statue. Giant statue. Massive statue. Yeah. So. Facing a mountain. During the mid-1800s. <laughs> the computer is making a very It's making weird a sound. very weird noise. It's working real It's working hard, real. Jeff. Listen, it knows that we need as much help as we can get. <laughs> it's like this. Mm. <laughs> anyway, proceed. Anyways, so during the mid 1800s, yep. You start In the mid 1800s, <laughs> the news rang out clear. Pack your bag and you're during the mid 1800s, you start seeing a large divide amongst the United States. Yep. There is a growing mentality amongst the northern states that slavery should be totally abolished, while the South insists on keeping their slaves. Yeah, right? you see this consistently grow. In 1854, a passage of the Kansas-Nebraska Act allowed residents of any new states admitted to the Union to decide for themselves whether or not the state should be free or slaveholding. Wow! So in 1854, they said any new states joining the USA, it's your choice. It's up you to can you. choose. Right? It's, it's not federally decided. Exactly. Right. You guys choose. In the 1856 Dred Scott decision, the Supreme Court actually ruled that neither or neither the Declaration of Independence nor the rights guaranteed by the Constitution apply to black slaves, and they never have. So as a result of these events, many who had disassociated themselves with abolitionists agitation. That's a weird word. Abolitionists. But... Is that what you said? Possessive. Abolitionists. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. Go on. Yeah. Agitation began drifting away into their group. So the people who wanted their slaves, they started moving away. And the abolitionists, the abolitionists move, movement intensified. Pretty okay. well by split up. People wanted it and people didn't want it. Yeah, That's yeah, the moral. yeah. Nailed Worth it. Dying juniper jump. God damn. 
So like his father, Lincoln opposed slavery. Right. Okay. However, he also deplored abolitionists activities because they it sounds like there's a delay on your mic it's like (laughs) there's a lot of reverb yeah um he also didn't necessarily agree with abolitionists activity because they threatened to cause a divide in the nation right right uh in regard to slavery agitation he said in my opinion it will not cease until a crisis shall have been reached and passed a house divided against itself cannot stand right so notes for a speech he delivered in Ohio clearly articulate his opinions on the slavery issue in the 1850s. We must not disturb slavery in the states where it already exists. Right. Because the Constitution and the peace of the country both forbid us. We must not withhold an efficient fugitive slave law, for the Constitution also demands it. But we must, by a national policy, prevent the spread of slavery into new territories or into free states. Mm-hmm. Because the Constitution does not forbid us, and the general welfare does demand such prevention. Right. So he's pretty well saying, you can keep your slaves, but nobody else starting today is getting slaves. Right. That's pretty well what he was saying. Your culture growing up has been, you get slaves. Yep. We're going to work on that later, but for now, we're not adding any more. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Lincoln knew the volatility volatility that came with slavery mm-hmm. and the divide it caused within america yeah one of lincoln's greatest attributes was his ability to adjust his views and policies based on the needs of the country and its people okay in 1858 he engaged in a legendary series of debates across illinois with the author of the kansas nebraska act senator stephen douglas okay they faced off over the issue of expanding slavery beyond the states where it already existed Right. Okay. Lincoln carefully made a distinction between slavery where it existed and its expansion into new territories and states. The debates grew national attention, and Lincoln was invited to speak in many other states. Wouldn't it be cool? Like, the people who were present at those debates didn't know that was, like, earth-shattering. Wouldn't it be cool, like— I think they did know. But, like, not they didn't know we would be talking about it 200 years later. No, I guess they didn't know the magnitude. That's but what I at mean. the time, it was earth shattering. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, wouldn't it be cool, like, if time travel is ever a thing, mm-hmm. like, yes, like, people want to go back and see the dinosaurs. They want to go back to whatever. But, like, that, even like something that that small scale, in a way, would be so cool to just go back and, like, let's just watch Abe Lincoln debate this guy. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's it crazy. must be electrifying. Yep. Uh, so the national attention he received resulted in the Republican Party making him its presidential candidate in the 1860 election, the which Republican is interesting. Republican Party. Yeah. Um, on the, divi- the, 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 the on the divisive matter of slavery, yep. the Republican platform supported prohibition slavery in the territories, but opposed interfering within the states where it already existed. Right. Which is why Lincoln became the perfect candidate. Okay. Lincoln won every northern state, California, and Oregon. Although he failed to win a majority of the popular vote, he won enough electoral votes, 180, compared to the 123 of all of his other components combined, to win and become the 16th president. Mm. Yeah. On December 20th, nearly three months before Lincoln would take office, South Carolina officially seceded from the Union. It was soon joined by all states of the Deep South. They feared the rise of this new sectional party that opposed expansion of slavery. 
If the peculiar institution was not allowed to spread, slaveholding states would be outnumbered, and they feared losing the political power that protected slavery. Mm. Yeah. For weeks, President-elect Lincoln said nothing as state after state renounced its compact with the United States. So they stopped being a part of the country. Yeah, they seceded. They were right. like separatists. They were like, you know yeah. what? We don't like the direction you're going. We're splitting off and we're yeah. going our way. You don't want slaves. We want our slaves. Right. Um, so although this was questionable, whether anything he said would have halted the secession movement, mm. uh, Lincoln said nothing. He said, cool, you do you. Right. Previous presidents under whom secession was also threatened, like mm. Andrew Jackson, Zachary Taylor, um, had both said they would send troops against the the states in order to maintain the union. Right. Part of the Constitution was like, nope, you're part of the U.S. You're going to be part of the U.S. forever. Yes. Uh, April 12th, 1861. After Confederate guns fired upon Port, uh, sorry, Fort Sumter, South Carolina, the Civil War began. Mm. So, first off, we can't really go into a lot of detail about the Civil War right now. It's that, a new topic. That's a completely different topic. Absolutely. Um, so, anyways, just as a brief description, Abraham Lincoln called for 75,000 troops okay. to suppress the Southern Rebellion. Yeah. Um, they were all refusing the fight, and it was this whole ordeal. Who was refusing the fight? Uh, sorry, they weren't refusing the fight. They they were refuting the fight. I Everybody, think. yeah. Um, Abraham Lincoln was very involved with the war. Okay, uh, its strategies, and when the war found the edges of Washington, mm. he actually was brave enough to go to the front lines. Good for him. Yeah, he never fought, but he was he was also stupid enough. Like he went out and like stood up. He's like six foot four. Yeah, like big old tall hat. Like, right. anyways, yeah. still wearing the top hat. Still yeah, yeah, yeah. the top hat. Uh, in January of eighteen sixty-two, sitting down in his big old statue chair. Yeah, <laughs> come at me, bro. I'm a 32-foot statue. The guy was actually making the stone, yeah. and the war came to him. He was like, guys, we're not ready yet. <laughs> still he chiseling. still needs another 27 hours of me sitting in this chair before he can make the sculpture. <laughs> yeah. Ward him off. Um, so in January of 1862, uh, Abraham Lincoln announced the Emancipation Proclamation, which granted freedom to slaves, okay, but only to those in areas that were rebelling which obviously didn't recognize his authority because they were seceding. Right. It was a war measure meant to prevent European recognition of the slaveholding confederacy, and it shifted the war from one to preserve the Union to one that would both preserve the Union and end slavery. Right. So originally, the Civil War was set up to keep the Union. Right. The South wanted to leave the North, and Abraham Lincoln said, nope, not on my watch. Yeah. You're staying, and started a war over it. Right. But it slowly became a war based on race and racism right. and slavery. Yeah. Right? Uh, and midway through it, he said, you know what? I'm putting out this eman- Emancipation Proclamation that says that anybody in the South who's a slave, you're now free. Yeah. Right? So you can come fight with us, basically. Yeah. yeah. So pretty well what they did is a lot of slaves in the South ran away and the second they got to the north yeah free yeah it was crazy um so despite this expansive wording the emancipation proclamation was limited in many ways it applied only to states that had seceded from the united states Mm. leaving slavery untouched in the loyal border states right it also expressly exempted parts of the confederacy so the southern uh, secessionist states that had already come under northern control. Right. 
So strangely enough, during the war, if the North took over a certain section, somehow they were exempt. They could still keep their slaves, even though the North had won it over. Right. It was very weird. Right. Um, most important, the freedom it promised depended upon Union uh, military victory. So if the Union didn't win, then the proclamation became exempt. Right. So, although the Emancipation Proclamation did not end slavery in the nation completely, it captured the hearts and imaginations of millions of Americans and fundamentally transformed the character of the war. After January 1st, 1863, every advance of federal troops expanded the domain of freedom. Mm. So, moreover, the proclamation announced the acceptance of black men into the Union Army. Yeah. And and the Navy. Enabling the liberated to become liberators. Right. By the end of the war, almost 200,000 black soldiers and sailors had fought for the Union and for freedom. Oh. In presidential election of 1864, Lincoln believed he would not be reelected. The war had dragged on now for over three years, draining the Treasury. Uh, many battles had produced many casualties. The South hated Lincoln for his Emancipation Proclamation, and the North were upset because they believed he was not hard enough on the South in terms of his slavery borders. Right. Lincoln somehow still won re-election, and in his second inaugural address called for malice toward none, charity for all. Uh, attempting to set the stage for reconciliation with the South. Right. On April 9th, 1865, General Robert E. Lee surrendered the largest Confederate army to Grant. Is that the same General Lee from Hamilton? I think so. Wow. Uh, Virtually ending the war. Yep. No, it can't be. 1776 versus 1865? Yeah, he'd be like 90. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. It's probably, maybe his son, though. Yeah, maybe. Not sure. Um... Virtually ending the war, Lincoln asked what should be done with the citizens of the Confederate capital at Richmond, Virginia. He responded with, I'd let them up easy. Let them up easy. Let them up easy. Meaning what? Meaning like, don't go too harsh on the citizens of the Confederacy. Right. You know what I mean? Let them up easy. Okay. Uh, With the light of victory clearly breaking over the horizon, Lincoln and Mary went to Ford's Theater on the night of April 14th to see the comedy Our American Cousin. During the performance, an actor and Confederate sympathizer named John Wilkes Booth slipped into the presidential box and shot shot Lincoln in the head. The president died the following morning. Within 24 hours, not a shred of black crepe was to be had in the nation's capital. A shred of what, sorry? Crepe. What's that? Uh, You don't know. It's C-R-E-P, crepe. Black crepe? Crepe. Black crepe. Not a shred of black crepe was to be had in the nation? Yeah, I think all of it was used. What's black crepe? You don't know what it is. Maybe it's black crap. I don't know. Okay, anyway, go on. Anyways, they were mourning him. Okay. Oh, 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 oh. I bet it's the stuff that people like women put over their faces during funerals and stuff. Yeah, so not a shred of it was found at the Capitol because home stores and government buildings were draped in mourning. Ah, okay. That, yeah, okay. I should have just waited. Sorry. But you also didn't know, so go on. But I explained it. I was like, it's like black crap. Yeah, okay. Sure. Go on. Asshole. Even some southern newspapers condemned the assassination as well. Okay. Uh, The popular image of Lincoln has changed many times. He is beloved as the great emancipator and the savior of the Union. 
His primary focus as president always was on restoring the United States as a single nation under the Constitution. Ending slavery was secondary to that goal. (laughs) However, the 13th Amendment banning slavery throughout the United States was passed only after Lincoln pulled political strings and granted favors in return for A votes. Right. It had already failed once in the House prior to Lincoln's backdoor negotiations. In the words of Thaddeus Stevens, the greatest measure of the 19th century was passed by corruption, aided and abetted by the purest man in America. Really? Abraham Lincoln was the right man at the right time. In a very pivotal moment in American history, the U.S. needed someone to rise to the challenge and unite the divided union. A lot of people thought that simply being the president during a major transition could solidify them as a substantial presidential legend. Right. But very few people could have reunited the North with the South, all the while paving the way to racial equality and the elimination of slavery. Right. Very few people could have done both. Yeah. So who knows what he could have achieved in his second term? Yeah. You know, maybe today we wouldn't be fighting the battles we have to fight. You know, maybe maybe today in particular wouldn't have been such a victory with President Biden. Because Trump never would have been president. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe it wouldn't have been such a victory. Right. Uh, You know, his untimely death made him a martyr. Yeah, it did. We celebrate his legacy and each day we are challenged to live up to his expectations. Mm. It is no wonder that in today's climate and our celebration of President Joseph R. Biden and the passing of the torch for equality. Did President Biden quote him? Yeah. Inspired. Inspired. Nice, man. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. So there's Abraham Lincoln. I'm digging it. His life up until his presidency is completely irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, I don't really care too much about that. No. I don't want a biography on a person, per se. Um, But yeah. yeah. Now I know why. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Well, everybody, enjoy your break. You enjoy your break, as will we. And we will. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Do you find yourself looking for the perfect shirt to wear with those trendy new boyfriend jeans? Ever stare off into the abyss wondering, how can I show the world who I am? What I like all the while supporting local? Well, do we have the product for you? Hi, I'm Joy Jorgensen. Inventory and Merchandising Manager for Splainin' the Podcast. Due to a shipping error, we are completely overstocked with Splainin' t-shirts and we're passing on the savings to you! We have logos, slogans, and all various styles and sizes. Until the end of January, order a Splainin' t-shirt and get our blowout, blowout, blowout prize! For just $15, you get the answer to all of life's problems as well as a trendy, stylish shirt that goes with everything! Don't believe me? Listen to our satisfied customers. I just bought a Splainin' t-shirt, and now girls don't laugh at me. People used to question my legal advice. I can't believe how receptive everyone is now that I'm wearing a shirt. Thanks to my new Splainin' t-shirt, I am now a fully qualified astronaut. (laughs) You see, real people telling their real story. True stuff. $15 a shirt until the end of January. That's $10 in savings. Ten extra dollars in your pocket to spend at Starbucks. Simply email info.splainin' at gmail.com and avail of our inventory blowout sale today. 
Today! Today! <laughs> Blow it sale. It's live now. Make it happen. $15 a shirt. What a bargain, Jeff. I've spent $15 and gotten a lot less. I spent $12 today on a meal from Tim Hortons. I spent almost $45 on alcohol that we're currently drinking. <laughs> yeah, but you owe me money, so it's fine. It's still $45. Oh, yeah, I know. And it's a waste. Yeah, we're, we're talking about value here. We're going to pee it out. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I agree. But $15 gets you a beautiful shirt. And listen, I'm just going to say this. You also, that $45 gets you a quality podcast episode. $15. Oh, oh the $45 alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> you too can buy us $45 worth of alcohol. <laughs> and make sure you get that quality podcast episode you're looking for. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm just going to say something. Yes. That 1950s commercial guy, he sounds like he's got some handsome face. <laughs> Does he? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. He's got a face for radio. Um. So moving forward, yes, to ascend in from Rita. Yes, and Rita, let me just tell you, this took so much time. Yeah, <laughs> it is a lot. So it's Chernobyl. It's the Chernobyl disaster, mm-hmm. the nuclear power plant in Russia that exploded in the eighties. Oh, so we're done. That's it. Okay, cool. Uh, there's a there's a HBO TV show about it. Just go watch that. Uh, it's, it's, it's so good. So I watched that before Rita ever sent in the thing. I watched that. And I kind of wanted to be like, I'm not going to explain this. Just watch the show. Because the show is so good. I haven't watched like, the I'm show. Like, I'm basically just giving you a synopsis of the show and leaving out the parts that people are like, that's sort of not true. That's sort of a dramatization. Um, but, like, if you, if you want to watch it, maybe pause right now. Go watch it. Come back. Or listen to me get intrigued and go watch it. Yeah. Or whatever. Do what you want. I can't live your life for you. But the only thing that you actually have to do is to go buy a Splanin t-shirt for $15. Yeah. And also come back at some point. Yes. Please don't leave us. Don't leave us. Okay. Evan, that sounded really needy. I'm going to need you to pull that back like 20%. Um, please don't leave us for too long. Getting warmer. Don't leave us for too long. We beg of you. No, worse. no, that's worse. Yeah. Anyways, pitter patter. Okay. Um. So on this is it's it's pretty dark. Just warning you. Good. Okay. <laughs> we were living in a day of hope until right now. Mm, yeah. I'm, well, I end with hope. I'll 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 foreshadow now. I end with hope. Good. On Saturday, April twenty sixth, nineteen eighty six, the operators of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant were running some safety tests. So that's good. Wasn't good. From here on, it, <laughs> it gets a bit complicated because it's explained very well in the show, I thought. But that's over the course of like eight hours. I'm not going to explain over the course of it. If I, if I did, it might be good. Who's to say? Probably not. But if I did use eight <laughs> hours, I bet I could do a good job. Evan, how about you take the next 25 minutes and see if you can get there? Okay, buckle up, Buttercup. Here we're, we go. We're going on a bumpy ride. Mm. So, let's take a less then deep dive into nuclear physics for a second. Oh, damn it. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, no, no. Skip this. I already know no. it. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you heard me talk about wavelengths I'm for the last season? I'm going to be used with a minor in nuclear <laughs> physics. Um, <laughs> if we're talking wavelengths, I know 50% of what you're talking about. Wormholes? <laughs> Most of the heat generated in a nuclear reaction is derived from nuclear, nuclear fission. Nuclear fission, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is basically a nuclear reaction or radioactive decay process in which the nucleus of you'll actually understand this yeah the nucleus of an atom splits into two or more smaller lighter nuclei hmm. it usually produces gamma photons which like create all of the superheroes from the avengers yeah um and a very large amount of energy 
Almost 7% of the power generated comes from decay heat. This decay heat continues for a while after the chain reaction has stopped, just from the energy. That's what's crazy to me, just as an interruption. Mm -hmm. But like the decaying of matter causes that drastic amount of energy. Yeah. That's like milk going bad. Like Lincoln's mother drinking bad milk, but times a billion. Yeah. And also heat. Like, you know, we light fires. We use coal for years. Yeah. How many, we can split apart atoms and still make heat. How many rotten apples does it take to, you know, cook a steak? <laughs> Not the same? I mean, kind of the same? Yeah. Don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, the decay heat continues for a while after the chain reaction has been stopped. And this reaction would be stopped for either an emergency or planned shutdown of the reactor, which happens from time to time. They just shut her down. <laughs> Don't know why. And it makes that sound when it does. Um, we've got a sound clip for you right now. And play. That was it. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, When it's shut down, it's crucial that a circulation of coolant is continually pumped through the reactor to prevent the core from overheating. Mm -hmm. Or in the very worst case, a core melts down. The RBMK reactors, like that at Chernobyl, use water as a coolant, circulated by electrically driven pumps. Reactor number four, which is the one we're going to be talking a lot about Mm. and caused sad times Mm. in the hood of Ukraine, had 1,661 individual fuel channels, each requiring a coolant flow of 28,000 liters per hour at full reactor power. So like Niagara Falls flowing through 1,600 fuel channels. They give me two nozzles when I'm in the bathroom, one for a little (laughs) bit of water, one for a lot of water. And them assholes are doing 28,000 gallons. Do you have the little two-pump one? Yeah. When we went to Kent to replace all of our toilets, the guy was like, don't get those. I got a rental property and they're just a nightmare. Listen, they're the shits. People people don't know which one to push. Yeah. (laughs) Too much toilet paper gets clogged. I'm like, okay, I didn't get any of them. No. To protect against electrical failure, each of Chernobyl's reactors had three backup diesel generators. So worst case scenario, they could pump the water through. But they took 60 to 75 seconds to attain full speed. 60 to 75 seconds. Correct. So like a little over a minute, which was obviously a significant safety risk. If power goes out and the coolant needs to be pumped at an insane rate, a minute of no pumpage, not a good time. But the thinking was... So then what's the point of having the contingency of like the... If, like, one minute tragedy could happen, why have the backup motor? Exactly. But the thinking was the rotational momentum of the steam turbines, which are a different part, could be used to generate the electrical power for about 45 seconds, which now only leaves 15 to 30 seconds with no water, better than nothing. To which I thought, not really a solution to anything. No. That we're doesn't still, we're solve still, the problem. We're still nowhere near the contingency. Like, if the problem was your ice cream might start to melt on the way home, yeah. then good. Yeah. Like, cool it for part of the way, great idea. But if we're talking, like, nuclear catastrophe, not so good. That's more like leaving your drunk friend passed out on the floor of a bar <laughs> and being like, oh, well, he got his wallet and his phone. He's okay. Like, he's not okay. No. Take him home Take in a jiffy cab. <laughs> Get a faster generator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The turbine's not fast enough. But naturally, they're not idiots. They test these things in safe conditions. So if it were to happen, what would happen? Would it be enough? Would the 15 seconds like ruin things? Or would it be okay? So they try it. So in 1982, they had tested their theory with the turbine generator, but it was unsuccessful. They modified the electrical system. And the test was repeated in 1984, but again, 
It did not work. Define unsuccessful like catastrophe happened in their tests? No, because they could easily just go, doop, shut down the reactor. So no catastrophe happened. They did it in safe conditions. But they went, okay, this isn't going to work. Okay, that's my question. Yeah. Like in their tests? Yeah, no, their tests were safe. Uh, in 1985, same deal. They test again. They modify. No go, Russian Joe. Um, after some modifications, the next test procedure was scheduled for 1986 during a controlled power down of reactor number four dun, 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 in preparation for a planned maintenance outage. They were going to do an outage anyway. Uh-huh. Like, while, before we do the outage or while we're doing the outage, let's do this test. A test procedure was written, but the authors of the procedure were not aware of the unusual RBMK-1000 reactor behavior under the planned operating conditions. So, like, here's the recipe. We've never tasted the soup, but it might be good. We don't know. It might taste the shit. There's a lot of spinach in it. There's a lot. Yeah, like, blended. Um, 1986's test was meant to be just an electrical test of the generator. Uh, the test required disabling some of the safety systems, in particular the emergency core cooling system. Again, it seems to me, just maybe don't shut that part down. Maybe. maybe just, but they needed to because they needed to be like, if electrical goes down, that's going to go. So you got to shut that down. Yeah. The procedure was intended to run as follows. Here's the prep for the test. Number one, the test would take place during a scheduled reactor shutdown. Great. Number two, the reactor power was to be reduced between 700 megawatts and 800 megawatts. They didn't need to power it down completely to do the test. Number three, the steam turbine generator was to be run at normal operating speed. So that's the prep. Here's the test. Number one, when the correct conditions were achieved, the steam supply to the turbine generator would be closed off. Number two, the turbine generator performance would then be monitored to determine whether it could provide the bridging power for coolant pumps until the emergency diesel generators automatically started and provided power. Yeah. Just sort of explain. Yep. Number three, when the emergency generator supplied electrical power, the turbine generator would be allowed to continue just like freewheeling down. You don't, we don't need you no more. Yep. Number four, the normal planned shutdown procedure of the reactor was then to be completed. So yes. if, once the test went well, great, shut it down. That's what we were going to do anyway. Yep. So essentially, if anything went wrong, they could just shut down the reactor. They were going to do that anyway. Worst case scenario, put her to bed early. Yeah. Right? Take her home from the bar, put her under sheets. Yep. The test was to be done during the day shift on April 25th, 1986. The day crew had been instructed in advance on the reactor operating conditions and how to run the test. And a team of electrical engineers were present to conduct the one-minute test. That's all it took. One minute. Of the new regulating system once the correct conditions had been reached. So they're going along, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Everything's going well. Power level had reached 50% of its normal thermal level. They disabled the emergency core cooling system and are preparing to start the real test when another regional power station unexpectedly went offline at 2 p.m. Let's not forget, these po- like the reason these stations are existing is to power the entire country. Sure. Like we've got Newfoundland Power doing whatever they're doing. They which had, is nutting, by the way. Is, <laughs> they've got nuclear reactors powering the yes. country. So somewhere else in the country, one of them went down. So Kiev Electrical Grid Controller calls, and they're like, "Buys, don't do the test. We can't afford to have another one go down, which you're, you're scheduled to go down. Don't go down yet. Nanny's got to boil the kettle, maybe. Right? <laughs> Although the Soviet Union, like Nanny will just like light a bear carcass on fire and be like, oh yeah, tea's done. Tea's done, boys. Um, but anyway, they were in an effort to not lose power to communities, the plant director agreed and postponed the test. The day shift leave and leave the emergency core cooling system disabled and in come the evening shift. At 2304... Were they supposed to reactivate it because well, they weren't no, doing the test? no, not taste? technically. 
because they were going to do the test later. So they just like, you know, they leave that done. At 23.04, the Kiev grid controller said, okay, guys, go ahead now. Continue your shutdown. The other one's back on. But it's almost midnight, so the evening shift are getting ready to leave. The night shift are coming in, who expect the test to have been finished. And aren't prepped. All they prepared to do is maintain the decay cooling, or sorry, the decay heat cooling systems in a, in a plant that's already shut down. It's like, just make sure that the decay heat cooling systems are just running. That's all they had to do. So they weren't training the test. They weren't supposed to be doing it. So Deputy Chief Engineer of the entire plant, Anatoly Dietlov, was present at the night shift and directed the experiment. Serving under him were Akimov, the shift supervisor, and Toptimov, who was the operator. No one else is in the room. But in the show, Dietlov, from the second he walks in, is an asshole. Of course. Like, he's tired, he's contrary, he wants to get this done because like the higher-ups are like, is that test done yet? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's done. That's all he wants to be able to say. It's like, we did it, it's fine, moving forward. A little bit of a, of a prick. So, test begins. A gradual decrease in power output from the reactor number four to a thermal level of 700 to 1,000 megawatts commences. And an output of 720 was reached at 12.05 on April 26th. So, like, just after midnight. A byproduct of nuclear fission is xenon-135, a reaction-inhibiting neutron absorber. So even when the operation stopped decreasing power manually, like, he, like the operator was like, you know, he brought it down to like wherever the stick goes and he stopped. It kept going down um, because Xenon135 uh, kept reproducing. Do they not anticipate that? They didn't. It's known as reactor poisoning. In a regular operation, this is avoided because Xenon135 is burned off as quickly as it's created. Because the temperature in the core had dropped, it wasn't being burned off. So has this happened any other time they've run a test? No. So why this time? I don't know. Interesting. When the Well, maybe you did. I don't know. When the power dropped to 500 megawatts, the reactor control had been switched to a different mode in order to manually maintain the power level. And then the power suddenly fell into an unintended near shutdown state with a power output of 30 megawatts. It's meant to be at 700. Yeah. So there are all these control rods made of uranium. That they sort of rise up from the bottom of the reactor and like you can put them in as much as you want. Like you can put them in 30 feet, you can put them in 5 feet, whatever. Yep. The more that they're in, the more it slows the rate of the chain reaction because the uranium reacts with whatever. Sure. And it slows the rate depending on how much of them is inside the reactor. So when the levels hit 30, they start hauling out the rods to increase the rate of um, yep. reactor reaction because they want the reaction rate to go back up to 700. Slowly it begins to increase and stabilizes at about 200 megawatts. Dyatlov says, great, let's continue to do the test. The other two are like, but sir, 200 does not equal 700. No. And Dyatlov's like, math is dumb. Let's do it. Who cares? Couple of edgy glances between Akimov and Topdomov. They're like, "Mm, okay, but they go ahead and do it. Because of the lower power level and high poisoning level inside the reactor, the core temperatures were beginning to go too low. Dyatlov orders more control rods to be to be removed in order to bring the rate of the megawatts up to the point where only eight rods were left in, half of what the minimum requirement of control rods were. Again, Akimov and Topdomov argue. Dyatlov is the commanding officer and threatens them with their job. He's like, "Do you want a job? Because I can make you make sure you never get a job ever again in a nuclear power plant." 
In order to counteract what was happening with the reactor, Dyatlov ordered extra water pumps to be activated at 105, but now the coolant no longer had sufficient time to realize its heat in the turbine or cooling towers, and now the, the water begins to boil inside the reactor. The flow exceeded its allowed limit at 119, triggering an alarm of low steam pressure in the steam separators. Since water absorbs neutrons better than steam, the reactor power was once again decreased because now it's all steam, not water. Yep. The design of the RBMK reactor at the time had a positive void coefficient of reactivity at low power levels, which essentially just means that the formation of steam bubbles, which are known as the voids, from boiling, cooling water intensified the chain reaction. Sure. Because the water doesn't slow it down anymore. Sure. The steam actually speeds it up. The power increase produced more voids, which intensified the chain reaction further. So the reaction is at risk of an increase in core power, and there's no way to stop it because all of the rods are out. Yep. <clears throat> Ignoring all this, at 123.04, Dyatlov continues with the test. So all of this so far is just the prep for the test. The test is just beginning because the test is only going to be a minute, remember? Um, so it's just to see if those turbines can hold off for the minute yep. before the other things, the generators kick in. Four of eight pumps, water pumps, are running. The steam to the turbines were shut off. The diesel generators started and started picking up. They were meant to pick up the power completely by 123.43, about 39 seconds later. And the turbine generator would supply the power in that 39 seconds. Yep. But as the turbine generator decreased, so did the power of the pumps. The water flow rate decreased, leading to more steam voids. Yep. At 123.40, three seconds before the test should actually have been over, the emergency shutdown button was pushed. Like this is, I guess, in like readouts or whatever, which is it's called the AZ5 button, um, driving all the control rods to fully insert themselves. So you push that button, all the rods just go whoop, get back in there, shut down the reactor. Oh, okay? yeah, yeah, yeah. Little did they know, there was a design flaw in the Ukraine RBMK reactor. The rods had a graphite neutron moderator attached to the end of it in order to boost reactor output. It wasn't known at the time that before the rods shut down the reactor, when they came into contact initially, there would be a boost in energy level, and then it would start to drop. But for a second, there's a boost. Of course. But given the unstable environment they've now created with all of these steam voids, the small increase was all that was required. The reactor output jumped to 30,000 megawatts, 10 times its normal operational output. And that's just what the reading was. Many scientists think that it went as high as 300,000 megawatts. Wow. But the scale that they, it, or the device it was right on couldn't possibly read that high. No. So it stopped at 30,000 because that was the max. Yeah. That's the, like at the rec room when you get the hammer and you hit the thing. It's exactly that. Yeah. It's exactly like that, Jeff. Uh -huh. Yeah. Good analogy. Thank you. Uh, there was a steam explosion destroying the reactor's casing, tearing off and blasting the upper plate to which the entire reactor assembly is attached. The explosion ruptured fuel channels as well as severing most of the coolant lines. And as a result, the coolant immediately turned to steam. Not good. Two to three seconds after the first explosion, a more powerful explosion dispersed throughout the damaged core and terminated the nuclear chain reaction. Dyatlov ignores this and insists it's impossible for the nuclear core to explode. There's no way that could physically happen. He makes the other two men go and manually open the water valves, which were now unable to be opened automatically with the button because of the explosion and all of them are shut down. Sure. They run into operational engineer Sitnikov, who reports seeing nuclear graphite on the ground, which is the graphite rods having yes. exploded are now in pieces. On meaning, the ground. Meaning the core exploded. 
the other two men are like, nope, that's impossible because the core could poss- couldn't have possibly exploded. There can't be graphite on the ground. Um, because Dyatlov told him that, and he was a leading engineer in the entire plant. Like, he should know the difference. Sure. Dyatlov leaves to explain the situation to the plant director and chief engineer and conclude that a hydrogen explosion caused um, contaminated uh, water to explode. Or whatever. Sure. The committee elects to downplay the incident and block evacuation from this, the nearby cities. Meanwhile, the explosion is seen and heard for miles. So even though the, the people are like, yeah, let's just like play it literally, no, like, no, deep, no big deal. It doesn't Because they at this point, they still don't think the core exploded. Um, but people who were like asleep were like, what was that? Woke up. One of the survivors recounts he walked out of the plant, looked up. Towards the reactor, he saw a beautiful laser-like beam of blue light that appeared to flood up into infinity. So, question. Yeah. This explosion. Yeah. How close were Atoff, Middletoff, and Hightoff? How close were they to the explosion? Like, the room shook, but, like, nothing hit them in the head. Okay. Yeah. So, how could people miles away see it and hear it? Because it's a nuclear reactor. So, it was very loud, and also, it was giving off... Um, uh, I can't remember what the what the element is, but like ionized gamma rays or whatever. So it was lighting up the sky like crazy. Okay. Right. So from inside the bunker, because Dyatlov is now in the bunker, because even though it's um, he doesn't think the core exploded, it's still considered an emergency because there's a fire, there was an explosion or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's down in the bunker with the board. He continues to insist the core could not have possibly exploded. It was just a small hydrogen explosion. Um. There's still some fires on the roof, though, so the fire department is called to come. Akimov and Toptonov are now inside being exposed to insane amounts of radiation. Uh, Siknikov is ordered to go out onto the roof and investigate the explosion site. He stands above the exploded reactor core and dies of radiation poisoning pretty much immediately. What? Because if you like stand above a nuclear reactor, oh, yeah, you're getting yeah, yeah. everything. Right? And he's just like, nope, you're dead now. So how does he die? Like, what is the actual... He got... Like, um, fried? Did he burn? Did he like well, what? Like he, he would have got radiation burns on a hundred percent of his body and then died. Like his lungs would have just been like, so it would have been similar radiation. to being into a fire. He wouldn't have caught flame. No, 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 no. no. But like his body would have reacted as if it was being yes, burned. Exactly. But with chemicals. So then the fire department show up. Dyatlov, now in the bunker, is explaining everything to the board. He begins to suffer acute radiation sickness. He starts vomiting and passing out. This is the guy who's like, nope, couldn't have been the core. Loads of plant workers and firemen begin to suffer ARS, or acute radioactive syndrome, because there are huge pieces of radioactive graphite just chilling everywhere. And the great thing with graphite is it sucks up all those chemicals and is just spewing them out. Great. Um, Valero Legasov, Legasov, I think, actually, Inorganic chemist and member of the Academy of Sciences is informed of an under-control incident at Chernobyl and asked to come and give technical advice to the committee. He's the lead in the TV show. He's like the lead guy. Sure. He's a scientist who spearheaded everything that happens from this point onward. Uh-huh. In the TV show, there's also a character called Ulana Komnyuk, who didn't actually exist. This is important to note for people who either have watched the show or are going to go watch the show. She's like, a, and they actually say this like at the in the last episode in the credits. They say she's a representation of all of the scientists who worked with 
Lagasov. Oh. Um, and also like all of the women in the medical and scientific field who are not represented whatsoever. Gotcha. So rather than having like 78 characters, they're just like, let's put them all in this woman. Sure. And so that way we can have like the four main characters in a room all the time. Just want to clarify that. So laboratories in faraway cities. In the in the TV show, it's just her. And she's in the laboratory and she starts getting these spikes of radiation. And she's like, like what could possibly be giving us radiation right now? She And then she's like, it's the air outside. And she starts closing the windows. Because she's like, it's outside that's doing it. Um, now, it wasn't her. It was someone or sure, other, yeah, a bunch yeah. of laboratories, whatever. At this time, Gorbachev is leader of the Soviet Union. So yeah. Lagasov is called before Gorbachev and explains the situation is much more serious, he believes. And he's sent to Chernobyl with Boris Sherbina, who at the time was vice chairman of the Council of Ministers. So he was like the political guy who is now in charge of overseeing whatever's going on at Chernobyl. Yep. So from a helicopter, Lagasov points out the graphite debris and a blue glow around the plate he identifies as ionizing radiation, which makes it undeniable that the core of the reactor is exposed. No matter what anybody else will say, he's like, no, 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 it's exposed. That is the reactor core. Yeah. Still no one believes him until they check the disometer, which is like how they read radiation, and the radiation in the air proves he's correct. But not only that, the reader only goes so high. It's reading right now. It's showing its max reading. Lagasov is like, nope, it's insanely higher than that. That's just as high as the reader goes. Yep. So now we've established the core is burning. The plume of smoke, radioactive fission products, and debris from the core and building are rising about one kilometer into the air. The prevailing wind is blowing northwest, taking all that radiation with it over the cities. Wow. Oh, by the way, on the night of the explosion, many people who lived in uh, Pripyat... Um, which is like the main city you're going to hear a lot about, gathered on this railway bridge because the sky was full of all of the colors of the rainbow. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're all being dosed with insane amounts of radiation and they didn't know it. They're just like, this is so pretty. The scene in the TV show is like, it like sort of zooms in on the air and you see like little, like, it looks like like flankers from a fire. Sure. And they're just all like, oh, wow. And there's like babies in strollers and they're just like, nope, you're being doused in radiation. And to this day, like, because no one knows exactly who was on the bridge. Like, they don't know, like, how many people actually just died from that. Um, the firemen who are there now get the fires on the roof under control. But um, in the meantime, many of them are exposed to intense radiation. No one can go near the core. So they can't actually extinguish the fire in the core of the, of the reactor. So Lagasov instructs the military to start flying helicopters over the core and dumping neutron-absorbent compounds and fire control material into the crater. But they can't fly over the core, or everyone in the helicopter would be dead in a week if they fly directly over the, like, smoke. How high up is this going? A kilometer. So could they... How... Okay. Could they fly higher than a kilometer? I mean, I, I don't think so. But, I mean, they don't, so probably Okay, not. I don't know. Um, so planes, just... planes fly 30,000 feet. How many feet are in a meter? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this three is and a half. There's three and a half. Yeah. There's three and a half feet in a meter. So, a thousand meters, which is a kilometer, yeah. is my math. No, let's not do this right now. Okay. So, anyway, so rather than getting in a plane, helicopters are the best option, I guess. Yeah. So, they just keep flying near it. Um, throwing down whatever they're throwing down. <laughs> Cups um, of water from the airplane. Uh, well, no, they're Bag throwing down like, a bunch of stuff, but like they're missing most of what they dump. But they're getting a little bit every time. Sure. 
but they can't dump it directly in the center because they can't fly over it. The total amount of material dumped was 5,000 tons. Oh my inc- God. Including 40 tons of boron carbide, 200, sorry, yeah, 2,400 tons of lead, 1,800 tons of sand and clay, and 1,800 tons of dolomite. It took about 1,800 helicopter flights because most of these materials landed around the site. Um, they actually may have acted as thermal insulators, covering everything and actually increasing the temperature of the core in the end. So, how did they get these materials and these vast amounts of them? I guess they were just like, "Buys, this is what we need. Go get it." Like they were at this point, they were like, and as you will hear as we keep trying new tactics, they're just like, "Okay, here's what we need to do. Now that's going to cause a new problem. Then we need to do this." So the entire city of Pripyat. I feel like I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but whatever. It's okay. P-R-I-P-Y-A-T. It's, Trip, fi- yeah. it's finally evacuated days later after 49,000 or about 49,000 people are evacuated. That's not a lot, which is good. I mean, it's a significant amount of people. I mean, it's still 50,000 people. Yeah. But when you look at the magnitude of like a city or a town, that could yeah. be affected well, They just by... brought in buses and they got everybody out. Uh, um, it wasn't safe to return there until 2010, which was... 25 years later uh, when tourists are now allowed to visit it's amazing there are like mat like you need to see pictures of it there are um, like 50 60 foot trees growing in around skyscrapers like it's just like it's a for it's a city in the middle of a forest it's wild um the hospitals are now overflowing with people suffering from ars and of course at first nurses and doctors don't know that the people themselves are contaminated with radio um radiation so now the nurses and doctors are getting sick because they're touching the people who are contaminated so did they did at the time like in the late 80s mid 80s did they not understand radioactive sickness not to this degree they didn't know so was Chernobyl just like a big learning experience for the whole world outside yeah. of the meltdown of the core and everything, but like yeah. the repercussions of the radiation? Well, also for the longest time, no one knew the core exploded because the government was covering it up. No, 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 no. I mean like ignoring all of those things. Yeah. I mean like post-reaction, like the accident happened mm-hmm. and radiation was in the air and it traveled yeah. and people are outside. Like did people not know the severity of ASR? ARS. ARS. Um, DSLR. They, they, I think they learned about it during. The, oh no, I'm pro, I'm positive they did because at first they're just like, oh, we're treating these people, and then like they touch the person, like their hand gets radiation burns, and then they quickly like, okay, we can't touch them. So then they start taking all of the clothes off and burning the clothes. They, like, they, they th- like all the nurses are bringing the clothes down into like throwing them into incinerators and stuff because like, okay, so we can't touch that, can't touch that, can't touch that. It's wild. As well, I'm going in a lot of directions, but there's just a lot going on um so the whole time the government in pure soviet fashion is like let's not tell anyone about this sure the news can't know and mostly the united states can't know no right absolutely not Um, but the world found out when an american satellite took photos of the glowing mass that was chernobyl with excuse me with the roof blown off polish authorities in another country like not even in the same country start giving iodine tablets to infants and children to protect them from the radiation See, they know. Why didn't in a Russia... different country? But why didn't Russia know? They're covering it up. They're not telling the public anything. But why didn't like that's what I'm trying to say? It's not about knowing and covering it. Up. Like no, it's not about covering it up. Story. It's about knowing what radiation does. So they're giving they, iodine. They like the scientists were telling them what it does, and the government was like, "Proceed." May first, the wind changes direction and starts blowing in the director direction of the capital, Kiev. Parades planned for that day. Just go ahead. 
to emphasize how normal everything was and how everything was being taken care of. You stop. Honest to God. Just parades going down the street. And they're like, no, it's fine. Meanwhile, I'm in Poland, they're like, here's an iodine tablet. Let's take that because if the winds blow into this country, we're all effed. It's now determined that another massive steam explosion will occur if the molten core makes contact with the water in the flooded basement. Because remember, like those 28,000 liters per whatever uh-huh. got flooded into the basement. So they need to drain that water because if the core drops down into that with uh-huh. all the steam down there, it's going to explode again sure. and be insane. So to go into the basement is basically suicide. Three workers volunteer, although one later said they survived. One later said that he was ordered. He didn't actually volunteer. Great. Um, they have to trudge through incredibly radioactive water. Um, they're in special suits like, you know, Calvin Klein or Joseph yeah. Abboud or yeah. something Dolce like Gabbana. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the classics. Yeah. Um, but the drainage is successful. So that's one thing now checked out the list. But now the molten core would have to reach the water table below the reactor, so like groundwater, in order to do damage. But as an as the nuclear meltdown had begun, it was possible that it actually would reach groundwater, meaning like water flowing under the ground that could reach other cities and now be radioactive and kill millions of people. It was just burning its way through the ground. Oh, yeah. So they decide to freeze the earth beneath the reactor. How? With... Um, uh, liquid nitrogen. On May 4th, they start injecting liquid nitrogen into the foundation. It was estimated that 25 metric tons of liquid nitrogen per day would be required to keep the soil frozen at negative 100 degrees. So then they're like, nope, we can't do that. That's impossible. So then Legasov and other scientists, presumably, but he's in charge and a lead character of the TV show, uh, they report that a heat exchanger is needed under the plant. So to get the heat I don't know how they do it, but they exchange the heat it's for a like mini split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They exchange the heat for like better things, like sandwiches. Yeah. Um, so they recruit coal miners to excavate a tunnel underneath the plant. Uh, a th- there's a great scene in the show where they give them these like basically the masks that we're all wearing now. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the coal miners are just like being like, whatever, who cares? And then the guys are like, you should be wearing your masks. And one of them is just like. Let's be honest. Is this mask going to save my life? And like the guy just doesn't say anything. He's like, great. And he just like throws it on the ground and they're all going down there. Like we got to do what we got to do. So a 30 kilometer zone around the reactor is now designated for evacuation. We're up to 90,000 people evacuated. There we go. May 6th, schools are closed in Gummel and Kiev, bringing the total number of people forced to leave up to 500,000. Oh. We're now 11 days after the explosion. The Kiev radio, a little late, states... Uh, starts warning people not to eat leafy gr- vegetables or greens and to stay indoors as much as possible. 11 days later. The first time they warn them is 11 days later. Also on this day, the first fireman at the scene dies of ARS. He's buried in a sealed zinc coffin so his body doesn't contaminate the ground. Is that how radioactive he was? Uh-huh. But 11 days as opposed to uh, ZZ Top, who, is, who died almost immediately... Yeah, because he literally stuck his face over the reactor. This guy was just like shoveling graphite and being a fireman. And he was 11 days. And he died in 11 days, yeah. Still pretty quick. So much radiation, you die in 11 days. So while the boys start pouring concrete through the tunnel under the reactor, scientists talk to Topdanov and Akimov, the guys who were in the thing. They're dying in hospital right now. 
And they explain before, like, this scene is brutal because it's like trigger warning. They just have radiation burns all over the body. Uh, they explain the reactor exploded after they pushed the shutdown AZ-5 button. And then, this, like, the scientists who interview them are like, that's impossible. That's the button that shuts it down. How could they explode it after that? Um, but they don't know what you know, Jeff, mm-hmm. about the graphite rods. Which is nothing. No, the no. graphite rods that I've already told you. Yeah. Right? They didn't know that at the time. No. I've already given you that information. I know. May 10th, Akimov dies after receiving radiation burns to 100% of his body. Uh, liquidators are sent into the city to watch wash radioactive dust off the streets. Because the streets are filled with radioactive dust. They have to wash the streets and buildings. They're just like hoses everywhere. May 23rd, we're pushing three weeks after the accident. The government finally orders distribution of iodine tablets, which other countries were doing two weeks ago. At this point, they will have no medical value as they needed to be um, admitted 10 days after exposure. Now it's been three weeks. In other news, decontamination operations continue while civilians are now drafted to start patrolling the contamination zone, so that 30-kilometer radius, and shoot and dispose of any animals. Any pets, so like dogs left behind, cats left behind, any caribou, elk, I don't know, whatever is in that area, any wild animals in the area have to be shot. Um, killed, thrown in pits, and in the pits, the pits have to be poured tons of concrete on top of them because they're all radioactive. Oh, my God. I know. Uh, the latest plan with the core now, because the core is still just like spewing death, uh, covered in a sarcophagus. A concrete structure will be built around the entire Like core. a dome. Like a dome. Um, it's been all, almost a month now. There are still pieces of radioactive graphite and other materials everywhere so in order to properly enclose the reactor they need to get all of the fragments and just like push them into the core so they can just enclose a smaller space they start using robots to push the materials from the roof into the core like the robots like actually they're um uh the same design as the lunar modules like that would they would have like put on the moon um the robots are exposed to so much radiation they just start shutting down and like they cannot operate them so what do they do they start using people Smart. It's determined that to safely do this, each individual will be able to be on the roof for 90 seconds. That was it. That's all they could do. So one trip per person. You couldn't go back a second time. 3,828 liquidators clear the debris with shovels or by hand. Again, in suits, obviously. Um, and they throw the fragments of graphite into the core. But the same co- at the same time, they have to be cautious not to actually look into the core. They basically have to like turn their head and throw the graphite without looking down or they'll just die very quickly um that scene is insane there's just like a lineup of people and like go and then wait 90 seconds go and like like the tube slide at the ac arena (laughs) (laughs) oh no um so building walls around this was one thing building a roof over something they couldn't get near was a problem as the situation improved over the course of the fall Helicopters could fly over at lower altitudes for better observation. So now we're like, you know, it was April. Now it's the fall. Uh, so, uh, they could see what they were dealing with, and they could lower specialized bathyscap tanks, which just looked like um, sort of like um, like a I don't know what the word would be like. It just looks like a like a tank you would like go like deep sea diving like they put yeah, you in the yeah, tank yeah. to see what's down there they do kind of that 
um, someone could safely stay in that and sort of like get a look out through the window and see what was going on. So it just gives them a better idea of like what they're trying to do and how they can do it. So once completed, scientists announced that the sarcophagus um, enclosing the reactor will have a lifetime of about 20 to 30 years. After that, it's going to be a problem again. Trials begin for all of the higher-ups involved in the plant, like um, tri- court trials. Yes. Um, Bryukhanov, the director of the plant, is sentenced to 10 years of imprisonment for serious errors and shortcomings in the work that led to the accident with severe consequences. He served five years but was released due to bad health due to large doses of radiation he experienced. He says, still says nothing was wrong with the reactors and that it was a technical error in only the fourth reactor. It wasn't the design of that type of reactor, which it was. Dyatlov was also tried and sentenced to 10 years in prison. He was granted amnesty in late 1990 by the government. So the government actually played a big role in the whole thing covering up evidence, downplaying the severity, and when it came to reports, classifying certain aspects so that no fault could be on government officials or lack of safety protocols. Mostly because in 1975, a very similar event happened at the Leningrad nuclear power plant. There was no explosion, um, but radiation was exposed and inhabitants of the region were not notified that like there was radiation in the air. The accident was not reported in the media. Uh, but even under the threat of the KGB, uh, Lagasov testifies that a design flaw in the control rod spiked the power. In addition to human error, this called, uh, caused the disaster. And that in if the information about the Leningrad plant had been public knowledge, Chernobyl could have potentially been prevented. But no, they were like, nope, hush, hush, hush. Uh, so Lagasov is detained by the KGB and told that his statement will be suppressed in the media. He'll be given no credit for his role in containing the disaster. He'll be stripped of all honor and will never work again. What? Not sure how much of that is fact. That happened in the show. I think it's pretty much fact. Wow. His Wikipedia article is not very long, so it's hard to... It's hard to really dive into. That's the only way I know how to dive. Uh Um, Legasov starts making tapes where he relays his findings and the truth about Chernobyl. One day, literally one day, not like one day, blah, 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 blah. A, a singular day before he was due to announce his results of the investigation into the causes of the disaster, which also happened to be the two-year anniversary of the Chernobyl disaster, Legasov hangs himself in his apartment. Mm. Before his suicide, he writes documents revealing previous undisclosed facts about the catastrophe. He claimed political pressure censored the mention of Soviet nuclear secrecy, which forbade plant operators, so people who operated the plant, they could not give knowledge of previous accidents and known problems with reactor designs to other plants. So that's smart. His suicide caused an explosion, distasteful pun intended, Indeed. in the nuclear industry. The problem with the control rods in the RBMK reactors was rapidly admitted and addressed. It took him killing himself to do it, but it, they did address it. On September 20th, 1996, he was posthumously given the honorary title of Hero of of the Russian Federation, the country's highest honorary title, for the courage and heroism shown in his investigation of the disaster. That's nice. Also, you just blew by posthumously. I can't remember why that's significant. Posthumous. Yeah. The word. Yep. Posthumous. Right, posthumous, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so like the government has shifted. It's not the Soviet Union anymore. Yeah. And they're just like, no, we need to honor this guy. But let's not forget the timeline on that sarcophagus, 20 to 30 years, which will put things about 2006, max 2016. 
1992, in order to get ahead of this, the Ukraine government holds an international competition for proposals to replace the hastily constructed sarcophagus over Reactor 4. Because the bodies were like, let's get this built, cover it up. 394 entries are received, yet only one proposes a sliding arch approach. A study confirms that by using this method, there's much less chance of construction workers receiving harmful doses of radiation. They literally build a thing and they just slide it into place. 2007, the project contract begins for the new shelter. It'll cost 432 million euros and take five years. July 24th, 2015, the new safe confinement structure is an arch-shaped steel structure comprised of polycarbonate panels to prevent accumulation of radioactive particles. It's assembled in two large pieces, moving into place by a skidding system of 224 hydraulic jacks. It's like the, the height of engineering at the time. They're just like, what, what technology do we have available? We need that, but a little bit better. The jacks pushed the arch 60 centimeters with each stroke, taking five days to put it into place. Just pushing these two pieces together. Wow. And closing the reactor and the sarcophagus. So like the, the old structure, they just like put a thing over it. Like yeah. Cover the problem entirely. The best idea we have was just toss a blanket on us. Absolutely. A really good blanket. On October 6, 2018, 32 years after the Chernobyl disaster, the exclusion zone gets a second life as the first solar energy plant opens at the site. So now at Chernobyl, it's like all solar panels. The, obviously still the big steel structure, but now they have they have solar panels, and now it's a solar energy plant, which is like, ah. Um, surprisingly, the official death toll for Chernobyl is only 30 people. Two died immediately on site, while 28 firefighters died from exposure at a later time. But there's a lot of debate around how many deaths over the years have been directly linked to the radiation exposure. Theories range from 4,000 to as high as 60,000, wow. including that of diseased people in other countries on the continent caused by radiation. Mm. So, like, they got cancer, and it was caused by radiation from Chernobyl. That might be a stretch. I could see, like, it's not a stretch. neighboring communities where the wind blew. Nope. In the five years following the incident, there was a 5% increase in cancer in adults in the Ukraine and a 90% increase in children. Oof. By 2005, the Ukrainian government was paying 19,000 families owing to the loss of a breadwinner whose death was deemed to possibly be related to Chernobyl incident. By 2019, it was up to 35,000 families in Ukraine. They're just paying them because they're like, yeah, it's possible, meaning probably. Uh, Greenpeace have projected up to a million cancer-related deaths worldwide from the Chernobyl disaster and the radiation that happened. The 30-kilometer exclusion zone will remain contaminated and abandoned for 24,000 years. <laughs> the end. 24,000 years. Yep. It will be contaminated that long. Isn't that insane? So, how long do they do you know how long they anticipate the blanket to last? Uh, no, I don't. I know. I know the other one was twenty, thirty years. This one, I think, is pretty permanent. Like they had the structure, like they had the um, materials to be like, no, this is fine. This isn't going to decompose or... for twenty four thousand years. Well, I mean, who's getting who? Earth will be exploded by then, so who yeah, cares? Who's getting who? Yeah. Um, but yeah, at one point they, I left this out because I was like, I, I was fearing that things were getting real long, which they were. Who's getting who? Who's getting who? Um, but there was there was a period where the Ukraine government started admitting tourists at like two thousand ten or something. 
And like charging like a hundred bucks for people to go in there, like not into the reactor, obviously into the area. Yeah. Do you want to die immediately? Hundred dollars, right. please. Um, and the Supreme Courts were like, "Nope, you can't do that." And they made them repay millions of dollars to tourists. Yeah. Well, I don't know what they were paid to. I guess to the individual tourists. I don't know. But they're like, "You can't do that. You cannot make send a people theme in there. park." Exactly. Can't do it. That's disgusting. Yep. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, I'm gonna go and watch the documentary. Do you know why? It's only. It's not a documentary. Oh, well, docu series. Yeah. It's only like I think it's five episodes. Yeah. Well, we now have Crave, which is yeah HBO. Yeah. Um, but it's we only recently good. got it, so we're gonna circle back and watch it. The guy who plays like the political guy who who heads it all is the same actor who is in the all the Avengers movies. He's that scientist. Yeah. 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 Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. And the other guy, the lead guy. I keep thinking he's like from the Hobbit or something. He's not. I looked it up. I don't but like know. He's, he like you'll see him. You're like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, but it's not. No, it is that guy, but he's not in the Hobbit. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's a really well done show. Like it won a lot of awards. I'm very excited because now yeah. I'm gonna circle back and watch it. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. Wow. Um. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of feelings. A lot of things. And it's like it was. Oh. I, well, I don't remember reading this, but I did put it in there. The I must have deleted it by accident. The amount of I just remember it now. The amount of radiation from Chernobyl is four hundred times more than the combination of the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Wow. Yep. Holy moly! I must have taken. Why did I take that out? I don't know. That's a big fact. I know. I think I must have skipped it. Anyway. That fact is insane. That fact is insane. Um, are, how many other nuclear plants are there in the world? Do we know? I don't know. Quite a few, I like think. Like in Canada? I don't think there are any in Canada. Interesting. Yeah. Food for thought. Something to Google. Yeah, I feel like it's a very American-Russian thing to have a nuclear plant. Maybe. Because something happened with a nuclear plant recently, like in the last couple of years, remember? No. I think it was in Japan. There was some something happened, like something exploded, and it caused a lot of radiation. No, no, no. You're confusing it. Someone ate a bat. <laughs> <laughs> a different catastrophe. You're right. That was that was what I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh, but dude, well done. Thanks. Yeah. This is a big episode. It's a big episode. It's we a, it's circled a on hope, racism, and then nuclear explosions. If everybody in the world is not interested in this episode, then we failed as splainers. Yep. This encompasses all listeners of all it kind of does and sizes. Like it I'll say Chernobyl is it's interesting to every person. Every person shouldn't watch the TV show though. Like t- no. I told I said that I watched it by myself. I told Tiffany I was like Tiffany don't ever watch this. Tiffany is she's not squeamish. She doesn't like to watch like, you know, people writhing in pain. Most people don't. There we go. But like, I'll, but I can get past it for the because I'm like, this is incredible. Like, yes, it's incredible in that it's educational and insane that these people went through this. It's the same sort of feeling as Ollivander when he speaks about Voldemort. Sure, it's like you know watching Schindler's List. It's like to go from to another <laughs> another end of the spectrum. Like, it's really difficult to watch. Yes, but, but it's you important need to, watch to watch. Yes, it is right? very important to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Here we are. So, episode three. Bit of a doozy. Um, doozy sounds negative. It's a bit of a doozy. It was a hard one to to, to, to eat. 
Was it? Not for me. No, it's not going to be hard to eat the nachos I'm going to make now in five minutes. Yeah, put them aboard you, old man. And I will. And you will. Um, but yeah, as we promised, uh, uh, season two are, are, uh, is bringing a couple of changes. Uh, we are having some guests. Jeff is being replaced <laughs> by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, yeah. Who's here tonight, Neil? <laughs> welcome, my friend. I'm really sorry, Jeff. I hate to replace you, but um, I am more informed than you are and smarter and more handsome. Oh, we all know he's more informed, but now everyone knows he's more handsome. Get out of here, Neil. You're fired. Fired. Don't talk with my friend that way. Meanie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we are having guests. We're not going to tell you who or when. It's a surprise. It is a surprise. And, and listen, it really is a yeah, surprise it is in every can, way. And we can't wait. So what we need to do? We need to get another mic and pop filter. Oh, sugar. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, that's a future Jeff and Evan problem. But yeah. anyways, uh, thanks for tuning in to episode three. As always, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Splaying Cast. Always. Uh, if you have um, anything you'd like to tell us, uh, please rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, specifically on Apple Podcasts. Shout out from the hills. Let people know what you feel uh, because that's how other people get to listen. And you know, info.splain at gmail.com. Send in those topics. We got lots. Chernobyl was one. There are many more to come. Also, though, Jeff and I have things we want to cover. So if we don't cover yours for a little bit, don't be offended. No. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But, like, it's our show. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to do what we want to do as well. Yeah. Um, As well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And you know what? If you didn't... (laughs) No, that's not what you're going for? Yes. That's exactly what... Is that not the tagline? No, it's not. Oh, I'm so sorry. So sorry. Um, We hope you learned something this week. And if you didn't... See, you normally say that, but we've switched... And if you didn't... Do it again. Start from the beginning. Well, you always do it first. In this season, I do. No, in this season, I do. In this season, I start first, right? No, no, no. no. Last season, you start first. Nope. Yep. You always say, we hope you learned something this week. And then I say, and if you didn't, no, you're right. I always do it. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to let this pan out. He'll get there. I'll wait. Cool. <clears throat> you want me to start? Oh, Evan, oh, that was the me starting it. I just needed some space. We hope you learned something this week. I'll give you some space if you want some space. But if you didn't, there's always next week. Woo! <laughs>